Welcome to the Three Creeks Church Podcast. We're a church in Gahanna, Ohio, that exists to help people find and follow God. We hope this message encourages you, challenges you, and helps you discover how much God really loves you. All right. Well, good morning, Three Creeks. My name is Joel, and I get to be the pastor here. Welcome on a very special Sunday here. If you are here, Steph said it earlier, for the first time, we're thrilled you're here. If you've been here 50 times or 100, we're happy to have you back. It's going to be a a great time as we journey through John chapter 4. Of all the stories that you have ever heard about the life of Jesus— Which one would you say is your favorite one? There's a lot to choose from. There's the story where he, there's a man who hasn't walked since he was born and Jesus enables him to walk. He heals him. There's a man that was born blind. Jesus gives him his sight. Maybe your favorite one is the one where he takes a couple of fish, a couple of breads, feeds thousands of people with them. Maybe maybe your favorite one is when he calmed the water. Or your favorite one is when he walked on the water. Or your favorite one is when he turned the water into wine. You know who you are. (laughs) There's a lot to choose from in the life of Jesus. Hundreds of stories, but my favorite one of all is in John chapter 4. This story that Eichen talked about a minute ago where Jesus goes and meets the woman at the well, the Samaritan woman. It's in John 4, so if you have your Bibles, you could turn them on or turn there now. We'll, we'll throw the verses on the screen just in case you don't have a Bible. But if you don't have a Bible, we do have a stack of them on a table out in the hallway, and you should grab one on your way out, and that is yours for keeps. It's not a, a short story. It's 42 verses long, and so I felt uncomfortable trying to preach about the whole thing in one Sunday. So we just said, let's do it for four. So we're going to just kind of inch our way through one verse at a time through this amazing story where Jesus goes and meets someone that nobody thought he should be meeting. Today, what I want to do is I just want to show you how he ended up there and why he ended up there. And I hope that you take away from today's message that Jesus did not end up at this well by accident nor was it a coincidence, nor was it expected or typical or usual. It was very unusual. It was very unexpected, but it was on purpose. He had a point. He had an appointment with this woman. And how it happens, we'll find out in the first 14 verses, was on purpose, and it changed everything for this woman and her entire city. John 4, verse 1, says this. Now Jesus learned that the Pharisees had heard that he was gaining and baptizing more disciples than John, although in fact it was not Jesus who baptized, but his disciples. So he left Judea and went back once more to Galilee. Okay, this is a classic Pharisee move right? These, the Pharisees are the religious leaders of the day. They're the church people. They keep the rules for everybody. But even more, way, way more interested than helping people follow God, they are interested in keeping their powerful position in society. 
And so they come at Jesus from every angle and they can't stump him. He tells stories or answers questions in ways that they go, how did he do that again? He got us again. And so their new idea is let's create a rivalry between John the Baptist and Jesus. And let's see if we can get their followers to be angry at each other. They'll devour each other. We won't have to do anything. And so the Pharisees start planting these seeds and it's not quite time for Jesus to reveal to everybody who he is. And so he says, I got to get out of here. It's not, it's not time yet. And so Jesus decides he's going to go from verse 3, Judea, and go back to Galilee. Check out this map behind me here. This is a map of the Bible of Israel during the time of Jesus. You see in the bottom there, Judea, and then you see at the top, Galilee. So Judea's in the south and Galilee's in the north. And in John chapters 1, 2, and 3, you find that Jesus spends a lot of time in Jerusalem, which is down in Judea, and on, on, on the countryside of Judea. This is where Jesus has been spending his time. And look what verse 4 says. Now, he had to go through Samaria. And if you look at it at first glance, if you go back to the map for a second there, Sam, if you look at it, you go, well, Judea's in the south and Galilee's in the north, Samaria's in the middle. Well, that verse makes sense. He had to go through Samaria, but, but not so fast. Because here's the scoop about Samaria. Jews hate Samaritans. They despise them. They don't trust them. They don't talk to them. They, if, if, a, if a Jew walks through a Samaritan land before they re-enter their own home, they take off their shoes and they, they shake off the Samaritan dust off of their shoes. They don't talk to Samaritans. The history behind this was a couple hundred years earlier, Israel occupied this whole land. It was all Jews that liked each other. 12 different tribes. They were one country right there. And in 400-ish, 500 BC, hundreds of years before this, two different nations come and, and seize and capture the Jews. There's a group called the Babylonians. They come and they take all the Jews from the south and they take them to Babylon. And for 70 years, those Jews, they stayed true to one another. They didn't intermix and intermarry with the Babylonians. They said, no, we're Jews. We're going to stay pure in their own minds. They said, we're, God said, we're not supposed to do that. So let's just stay us. And for 70 years, they stayed them. And then Ezra and Nehemiah and some other people in the, in the Old Testament led these Jews back to the southern area and they reoccupied Jerusalem and the area of Judea. But the northern Jews, they were captured by the Assyrians and the Assyrians took them away. And, and rather than staying together and, and, and keeping their, 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 um, their core group, their, their integrity, their, their Jewishness, rather than keeping that, they decided to intermix and intermarry. And they said, forget about it. We're not a country anymore. Let's just be with them. And so now... The, those, those people that were in the north, they, you don't even, they don't even know their heritage anymore. They don't even know which tribe they're from because it all just kind of went haywire. And the Jews in the south then started to view the Jews that were in the north as these spiritually heretical half-breeds that gave up on who God was making them to be. And those people are the Samaritans now. They tried to build a temple at Mount Gerizim, and the Jews from the south burned it down. There's incredible history and disdain between Jews 
and Samaritans. So in verse 4, when it says that he had to go through Samaria, he actually didn't have to. Because what they did is they despised Samaria so much that they built two roads around it. There was a road called the Via Maris. And if you look at the map again, you, I don't think you can read it because the font's too small. But there's a road that goes along the Mediterranean Sea on the left. And there was another road that would go across the Jordan and up on the right. And you could get from Judea to Galilee by going around Samaria rather than going through it. This is how committed Jews were to not interacting with people from Samaria. So really, it says in verse 4 that Jesus had to go through Samaria, but the reality is, is that most didn't. Most Jews didn't go through Samaria. They went around Samaria. Jesus didn't have to, but I want you to have the words have to jump off the page because he had something that he couldn't miss. He had an appointment in Samaria that he was not willing to compromise. You saw it in the clip a second ago when he tells the disciples, hey, we're going to go this way. They're like, wait, wait, Jesus, that's not the way to get to Galilee. We got to go up and around Samaria. We don't talk to Samaritans. This is not usual. This is uncomfortable. It might even be dangerous. And Jesus says, I have to go through Samaria. I've got to go through there. I've got something that I have to do. Let me read you the rest of the story of what happens in Samaria. Jesus and his disciples in verse 5. He came to a town in Samaria called Sychar, near the plot of ground. Jacob had given his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there, and Jesus, tired as he was from the journey, sat down by the well. It was about noon. When a Samaritan woman came to draw water, Jesus said to her, will you give me a drink? His disciples had gone into town to buy food. The Samaritan woman said to him, you are a Jew and I am a Samaritan woman. How can you ask me for a drink? For Jews do not associate with Samaritans. And Jesus answered her, if you knew the gift of God, and who it is that asks you for a drink, you would have asked him, and he would have given you living water. Sir, the woman said, she's confused, you have nothing to draw water with. The well is deep. Where can you get this, quote unquote, living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob, who gave us this well and drank from it himself, as did also his sons and his livestock? And Jesus answered, everyone who drinks this water in this well, will be thirsty again. But whoever drinks the water I give them will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give them will become in them a spring of water welling up to eternal life. It really is hard to wrap your 21st century American mind around how crazy this story is. Because one... Jews don't go through Samaria. If they have to go through Samaria, they don't talk to Samaritans. Rabbis, teachers, respected religious leaders like Jesus was at this time, they, he wouldn't have even had a public conversation with a woman, let alone a Samaritan woman. Women, they don't go to the well alone. They go together. It was a, it was a group activity. It's like 
going to the bathroom for women. Like they go to the well. So she wouldn't have gone alone unless she was socially outcast. And, and women don't go to the well at noon. Nobody goes to the well at noon. It's too hot. You go to the well in the morning and you go to the well in the evening, but you don't, you don't go to the well at noon. You only go to the well at noon if you're wanting to avoid people. Jews would never drink water from a Samaritan cup. The, the, the whole experience is out of bounds. But Jesus, he didn't care about any of that. He, he doesn't care about any of that. This woman is ceremonially unclean, ceremonially unclean. She is socially rejected. She is spiritually heretical. And relationally, you are going to find out next week that she has made a lot of bad decisions. And so when you find out more about who this woman is and you're going to hear her backstory next week, you're going to find that it's not surprising that she's there at the well alone at noon. It's because nobody wanted to go to the well with her. And she didn't want to go to the well with anybody else. And Jesus just says, I don't care. I just don't care about any of that. Can I get a drink of water? And, and she's just got to be thinking, me? People in my town, my Samaritan family doesn't want to talk to me. And you, a Jewish rabbi, you want to talk to me? You want to drink from my cup? And Jesus says, I don't care about any of that stuff. I don't care what anybody else says. I came here. I had to come here. And even though it feels like nobody else loves you, I do. And I will do whatever it takes to show you that I love you. He had to go to Samaria because he had to make sure that this woman knew that God sent Jesus for everybody. For everybody. No matter the backstory, God sent Jesus for everybody. And Jesus said, I gotta go through Samaria because I have an appointment because there's a woman that's gonna be there at noon and I need to make sure that she knows that I love her. He had to. It was inside of him. He just couldn't shake it. He knew what was on the table. And so he had to. With this story in mind, I, I want to just have a, a family meeting, if you will, a church family meeting, and just say that um, our, the leadership of our church, our elders, our staff, our directors, we believe that there's something that we have to do. Like, we don't have to, but we have to. You get what I'm saying? Like God has put this in our hearts and we have to. And there's a step that we believe that our church family is ready to take. Five years ago, we started this church here in Gehanna because we heard that there were 120,000 people within five miles of where we're sitting who aren't sure that God loves them who have no interest in God or church. They, they don't know the whole story. They don't really know what Jesus 
offers. And we came here to help them find and follow God. And so we started meeting in a basement at 104.9, the river over on Johnstown Road. There was just a small group of us and we loved each other and Cain's chicken fingers and singing songs together. And we just said, what do you think? Let's give this a shot. This is in the fall of 2017. And then in, in 2018, we moved to Goshen Lane Elementary School another elementary school here on the west side of Gehanna, and, and we started public services, and we got a website and signs, and it felt like we were really doing it. And at that point, it was, I mean, we were just hoping that the sound system worked and that the coffee machine turned on. It was grassroots, and it was small, and once again, we loved each other, and we wanted people to know what Jesus has done for them. Since then, it seems like we've been in every church and every park and every living room and every backyard and every school and every space that we can find. We're just, we've been serial renters and borrowers and it feels like we've been nomads without a home. And I've said this before many times, but it's worth saying on a Sunday like this, like our, our hope, our dream, our prayer at the beginning was to be a church that if we left Gehanna, that the whole city would miss us. That even the people that aren't in here, that the whole city would say, that church made a difference. That church brought life. We miss that church. And so I believe, Three Creeks, that for the first five years, we have done a good job at showing our city that we are here to help. And now we believe that we have to show our city that we are here to stay, that we're not going anywhere that we want to be here for 30, 50, 100 years telling people about Jesus in this five-mile radius for the next 100 years. We believe it's time to show our city that we're here to stay. So here's what we want to do. We want to try to buy a ministry center here in Gehanna. Chances are we may have to meet in here for on Sunday mornings for the foreseeable future for a few more months or a few more years. We'll still gather here, but we want to find a ministry center that we can use for everything else. 24-7, everything else that we believe that God wants our church to do, we would do it out of this ministry center. And I want you to think less church offices, and I want you to think more community center, wildly multifunctional, We're on Friday night, we have a worship night, and on Saturday morning, there's a baby shower, and on Saturday evening, there's a Buckeyes party, and on Sunday afternoon, there's a play date for moms with coffee, and on Sunday night, there's group leader training, and on Monday, there's co-working space for people in our community to come and work, a place that is in use all the time, a place that we can use as a way to reach into our community and say, come here come to this place. And we want to call it the well. And here's why we want to call it the well, because I want you to think about this woman again for a second. This woman, she probably had a, uh, like a long stick and she probably had two buckets on the end of this stick. And it would have, if, if equal water was in each bucket, it would have been balanced. And she would have walked out to this well and she probably would have passed the disciples on the way. They were going into town to get food. And she probably thought, what in the world are these Jews doing here? And then she made her way all the way to the well. And one of the Jews just happened to be sitting there by the well. And she has this interaction with Jesus. But if you think about what's on her mind, what was on her mind, it was as simple as, I need two buckets of water. 
That's what I came here for. I didn't come for anything else. I've either got to cook something, clean something, or I'm thirsty. And I just need two buckets of water. And she meets Jesus at the well. She meets Jesus at the well. And Jesus says to her, give it a couple hours. You are going to be thirsty again. This is not all that you need. And he, he says, John 4, 14. He says, whoever drinks the water I give them will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give them will become in them a spring of water welling up to eternal life. He says to her, believe in me and everything will change. You thought you were looking for a bucket of water today, but I'm offering you something so much more important, something that will last forever, something that can quench the thirst of your soul. And I dream of our well being a place where people come to get a bucket of water, to come and make a friend, to come and let the kids play, to come and get a cup of coffee, where they just come going, I just need a break. But at the well is the place that we could introduce them to the person of Jesus and saying, is your soul thirsty? We know how to quench it. We know the person that can do it. And through the well, hundreds of people could come to find life in Jesus through this place. It could change the spiritual landscape of our city forever. I dream of it being a place that's used all the time by tons of people who don't know who Jesus is yet, and they find him there. So in order to do something like this, though, if we really feel like we have to, if in order to do this, it's going to take all of us. Our, our team has prayed a lot. We've studied a lot. We've talked to a lot of other churches. We, we've, we're working with Gehanna City. We're talking to commercial real estate agents. We've got a lot of people in the mix, and we estimate that this will cost about $1 million. And so what we want to do as a church is on November 13th, we're going to have something called Commitment Sunday. And we're asking everybody who calls Three Creeks Church home, everybody who believes in our mission, our vision, anybody who wants to make a difference in Gehanna, that, over, that on November 13th, that we'll make commitments, pledges. So everybody will have a chance to make a three-year pledge. And the hope is that all of us together collectively, if we add it all up, can raise $1 million so that we can buy the well outfit it or whatever we need to do to make it exactly what we wanted to make it and then put it into use and do a lot of ministry and have it open all the time. So I guess it's worth saying that in a room this size with this many people in the room that there just are going to be different levels of response, different amounts that people have the capacity to give. That's just true in a room like this. And so for the next three weeks, we all, wherever you're at on the ability or the capacity, I want to encourage you to just ask yourself the same question. One question, and it is, what does God want you to do? What part of this does God want you to play? If you are in agreement with 
our elders and our staff and our directors in believing that, yeah, we got to do this. Like, we have to do this. Then the question that I'm just asking everybody to consider for three weeks is what part of this does God want you to play? You see, Jesus, the bottom line is, I've said it already and I'll say it again, he didn't have to go to Samaria. In fact, it would have been far easier to go around. It would have, the road was smooth and the road was safe if you took the Via Maris. But Jesus said, I know what I'm offering. And so because of that, I have to. I've got to do this. And in the same way, Three Creeks, I, I just want to be honest and say, like, we don't have to do this. We could save our money. We could buy nicer things. But I would say that, listen, if we really believe in Jesus and the difference that he can make in someone's life, I just think we have to. I think we have to. Those 120,000 people that live within five miles of this place who don't know who Jesus is or how much God loves them, because of them, we have to. Our elders are in, our staff is in, our directors are in. And if each one of us for three weeks asks that question, God, what's the part that you want me to play? If we all ask that question and we all listen to what God says, and we all do what God is asking each one of us on an individual level to do, then collectively, by the power of God, the spiritual landscape of Gehenna could change forever. And hundreds and thousands of people could come to know who Jesus is. I want to close with this. I want you to raise your hand if you have someone in your life who you love deeply, but who is not following Jesus, not connected to a church, not walking with the Lord. Would you raise your hand if there's somebody that you love like crazy who isn't following the Lord? You can put your hands down. Bottom line, that's why we're doing this. And that's why we have to. Jesus was willing to do whatever it takes to show that woman that he loved her. And Three Creeks, in the same way, let's follow Jesus in doing whatever it takes to show our city that we love him and that God loves him. What we do, listen, what we do for God matters. And in the end, it's all that matters. What we do for God matters. And in the end, it is all that matters. And so for that reason, I believe that we just have to. We have to. Will you pray with me? Father, for the next three weeks, we're going to mull over that question, God, what part in this do you want me to play? I pray as people leave here today, God, that they would ask that question, God, what part in this 
do you want me to play? And Lord, I pray that you would speak. I pray that you would make it clear. I pray that you would show us, God, how generous you are. I pray that you would increase our faith. I would pray that you would give us the courage to risk it and to trust you. I pray that we wouldn't get to a place where we feel comfortable, but rather a place that we feel uncomfortable. I pray that you would bring us to a a number that we're supposed to give that has the potential to move the needle in our faith, that our faith could grow in you through this. God, I know that you want to do something through us in the well, but I also believe that you want to do something in us through this process. Help us not to miss it, God. Thank you, God, for meeting that woman at the well and showing us that we should do whatever it takes to make sure that people know that you love them. And I pray that in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening to the Three Creeks Church Podcast. To find out more about our church, to give online, or to attend a service, visit threecreekschurch.com. Thank you.